1: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 21-year survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a professional speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life.
2: And hi, I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 23-year survivor. I'm a certified life coach and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. Um, Recently, I became the assistant editor of the Breast Cancer Wellness Magazine as well, so that's kind of cool. And um, Becky and I... That's not kind (laughs) of cool, Sharon. That's way cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's been fun. And Becky and I are also the co-founders of Breast Friends. Can't forget that part. (laughs) Exactly. And
1: today we're going to talk about two really important things. We're going to discuss somewhat about hereditary breast cancer and we're going to really focus a lot on male breast cancer and true, you know, more men or excuse me, more women get breast cancer than men but and only really one of a hundred breast cancers are among men but it is serious nonetheless and we're going to talk about that in detail today.
2: And our guests today are Harvey Singer and Vicki Singer-Wolf, and their brother and sister. They're founders of HIS, Breast Cancer Awareness Foundation, Inc. Welcome, Harvey and Vicki. Thank you for Thank
3: having
2: you. us. We're, We're so s- excited to have you on our show
1: today. Thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, this is a big deal. So, bottom line is, both of you are actually survivors, right? That's
3: correct. Yes.
2: That's amazing. I, so, go ahead, Harvey. I want to hear your story first.
3: Okay, um, I was diagnosed eight years ago with male breast cancer, stage one. Um, I had a full mastectomy of my left breast, followed up by chemotherapy um, and a lot of uh, a lot of checking in. Uh, since that time, uh, eighteen months after that, I was diagnosed with stage. Uh, 1A prostate cancer both my cancers were caused by the BRCA2 gene um, oh boy so um, when I after I was diagnosed with my breast cancer I found it very frustrating eight years ago to find information that was pertinent for me being a guy with a female disease uh, so mm-hmm. I started with my sister who was also a survivor by that point and also BRCA2 and it warned me that I could possibly get this which I didn't believe her until it actually happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's um, I think that's commonplace with most men. Most men don't believe that they can get breast cancer a lot. I would say 60% of the men in the world don't even know they have the ability to contact breast cancer. Um, mm-hmm. Amazingly, some doctors don't even know it. Um, but mm-hmm. the frustration caused Vicky and I to set on a path to find a way to uh, make it a little easier for the next guy that was diagnosed. And our efforts combined together... Um, enabled us to start his Breast Cancer Awareness Foundation um, to just give the guys a little bit more information, a roadmap, something that I wasn't able to obtain. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted to pay it forward that way. Um,
1: you know, that that's really good, Harvey. And, you know, and it is rare and it is hard to find that support. You know, several years ago here in, in uh, Portland area, we had the privilege of working with a group here called Bridging the Gap. And it was led by three male breast cancer survivors. And what they did is when when a man would get diagnosed, we made sure, you know, that all of our sources knew that this group existed so that they could go and either meet with them in person or call them and, and just, you know, have their questions answered and kind of figure out what they need to do. We kind of figured out through talking to them, and maybe you can tell me if you experience the same thing, but... They a lot of them just wanted their questions answered and move on they really didn't want to stay there because it they didn't was, want to talk about it really yeah it's <laughs> kind of like what you said about the the you know being a woman's disease they were embarrassed they didn't want to talk about it so they just wanted their questions answered and then move on as quickly as they could and yeah. you know that was that was the experience we had how, how do you relate to that can you can you kind of oh, see that it, same it thing
3: definitely, it was definitely like that um, unfortunately or fortunately I'm not like that I needed to know more and more information. I wasn't the kind to sit there and just be guided by one doctor and tell me what I should do or shouldn't do. It's mm-hmm. not my DNA to do that. Um, I'm very <laughs> That's probably engaged, good, huh? I'm engaged <clears throat> in all my medical care. Um, I, I found that, you know, it's the roadmap, the first thing they told me is, well, male breast cancer, we'll just treat you like a woman because we don't really know what else to do with you. But male <laughs> breast cancer and female breast cancer oh. are most of the time hormonally driven. And men Uh and women produce different hormones at different levels. So not all that stays true to form. Um, That was the first thing I found. But, yeah, you know, when I went on and looked for it, all I could find, and I spent a lot of nights searching for information, all I could find is advocacy groups for people that were setting up foundations for their their father or their uncle who had died from it, which is a little unnerving when you're Mm -hmm. trying to fight a disease yourself. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's it's definitely something that people don't want to talk about. Guys um, are embarrassed to talk about it. It's a woman's mm-hmm. disease. It's emasculating. I mean, even my own friends used to ask me if I wanted to play from the red keys at golf. Now that I'm, you know, a breast cancer survivor. Oh,
4: oh no! No. Yeah. Oh, but, um,
3: it's terrible. But that was fine. It was all it was all a good jest. But yeah. Um, but that's the, that's the facts out there. And guys, notoriously, um, have a higher. Um, that's rate from breast cancer because they're diagnosed later. We're not screened. Guys aren't screened right. the way women are mm-hmm. screened. You go annually for your mammogram, and guys don't yeah. unless they have a, yep. you know, a pre-existing mutation that's causing them to look for. it. Um, they get symptoms and they ignore those symptoms uh, until they.
1: Yeah,
3: I'm sure they probably the think come, it's right. So, so the sure, yeah, they probably think it's like stage. a
1: gland that's swollen or something, and so they ignore it. And then by the time they go in and get treatment or get get it looked at, they realize what it is, and it's very advanced by then.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Guys, are, guys hate doctors, and guys are stupid. So guys don't want to
2: go to doctors. <laughs> <It's> always, <laughs> well, i said
3: it. <laughs> it's always something else that caused it. I mean, even though Vicki had warned me, I actually had symptoms for about three months, but even if she had told me I could get this, I you mm-hmm. know she told me she was brought two positive, and I could get that. And I'm like, okay. I'm not going to get breast cancer. Well, you can get prostate cancer, pancreatic cancer from it. I'm like, okay, whatever. Right. And then, so I had symptoms for like three months that I actually saw a physical change in my in my left breast and my left nipple, and I still ignored it until one day I was with a bunch of guys, and one of my friends came up ahead and seen me and gave me a big bear hug, and when he hugged me, I got this very, very sharp shooting pain right from my left nipple into my shoulder. Uh, and that's oh when I realized something was up. But... Um, I've heard, I've talked to guys that have told us they've gone years and doctors have misdiagnosed them and told them to come Mm -hmm. back in six months and come back in a year. And by the time they come back, they're stage two or stage three. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a bigger, bigger predicament. But, um, yeah, you were very
1: fortunate. You you caught it at stage one. Harvey did you say you caught it at stage 1?
3: I did. I was it's stage very, 1. Very very um, fortunate, yeah. But because I That's was bracket 2 positive, the bracket 2 tumors are always more aggressive and they, you know, I had my doc my attending oncologist suggested that I have a um, a chemo regimen, which I couldn't believe she was okay. saying that because my surgeon said, "Oh, you probably just have to take a pill a day, tamoxifen, and you and you'll be fine." All of a sudden, you know, they were telling me that the the is a higher grade and you'd have chemo. Um, I actually no saw three different oncologists and actually had three different regimens for chemo, and mm-hmm. I had to make those oh. decisions myself, but um, I did end yeah. up having a um, regimen of three months, four treatments, three weeks apart mm-hmm. of cytoxin and Taxotere, which my little sister will probably tell you about right now, since she's in the middle of the same exact regimen.
2: She is, isn't she? Yeah. So, Vicky, let's get to you, honey. What? Tell us a little bit about your journey, because it sounds like it's been a little longer, too.
5: Yes, hi, well, uh, I've gone on for about 21 years since my first diagnosis, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm a a glass half full kind of person, so, you know, the first one, we just, uh, it was contained in a duct, and we did a lumpectomy, and kind of you know, brushed that off and said, all right, that's, you know, We I had a mom that had, uh, our mom had breast cancer, our aunt had breast cancer, so although I knew it was in our family and that there were risk factors, um, I thought, well, they were in their 70s and I'm only, you know, 37 years of age, so I've got plenty of time to really concern myself with it. Uh, and then about a year and a half later was diagnosed again with another contained uh, cancer. So I went ahead and did another lumpectomy and just kind of thought, well, I got to just uh, do what I do, but do it a little bit better. I, I kind of live a you know a healthier lifestyle, but maybe I have to tweak it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, eight years later, I had my third diagnosis, which uh, was much more invasive. Um, and at that point, I started to really find out you know, more information. Why is this happening to me? Why, what can I do differently about it? And that's when I heard about genetic testing and, uh, you know, was diagnosed with the BRCA2 gene mutation. I went through, uh, University of Pennsylvania's, uh, Center for Genetic Testing. I went through genetic counseling, so I completely understood what this means, what it means if I come back with a positive diagnosis, and how do you share that information. So I do recommend, you know, genetic counseling along with the testing. I think it's a, it's a really important factor to have. And um, so when I, you know, when I found that I carried the BRCA2 mutation, well, I have three sons, so they were in college mm-hmm. age at that point, and I shared that with them. Um, and I have Harvey, and that we have another brother, and shared the information with them, knowing that, you know, this is not just a female issue. This, can, you know, concerns the men as well. It's a 50-50% chance that a man can be a carrier, can be passed down, the genetic mutation sure. can be passed down to a male or a female, brother, mm-hmm. sister, son or daughter. Um, so it's not just about me anymore, and for me, I, I wanted information, um, not like I said, just for myself, but, you know, if there's something down the road, if years later they are able to come up with some vaccines or some other, and they've made great, you know, great progress, and there are other things that are that are advancements that are here now. But, you know, back then when I got tested, I just thought if there's something that at some point helps my sons or my brothers to know that mm-hmm. they may be at risk and there's something that could help prevent it, then we're... We're way ahead of the, the curve. Yeah. Um, so can so I ask I you a question? Is,
1: did either yeah. one of and, you go through counseling when you, before you had the genetic testing? Um, you know, did you guys I, go through a, I to I a genetic counselor? Of, uh,
5: if you, do you mean genetic counseling?
1: Yes. Uh-huh.
5: Um, and not until I started to look into the um, the BRCA testing is okay. when I went through genetic counseling. Okay. At that time, I didn't know about it before I went to, um, so after, so when I had my third diagnosis, um, I had, there, there is a test, it's called an oncotype uh, diagnosis, mm-hmm. and it helps to let you know, it's based on the tissue um, that's taken from, you know, the breast that determines your risk factor for recurrence. And it's not just risk factor for breast cancer, but it's a risk factor of cancer recurrence in mm-hmm. your body anywhere. Okay. And okay. at that time, um, I bordered line on the high of the low. Harvey's score, well, he'll tell you, well, actually came back in a in a higher higher medium range. I was the high low. He was the high medium. And so I went to see an oncologist to determine what else I needed to do. I was already doing the lumpectomy. We were already planned to do radiation. Uh, I did six and a half weeks of radiation, and it was already planned that I was going to go on tamoxifen because it was all um, estrogen-dominant on my breast cancer. So that was already the plan. What I needed to know now was do I also need to do chemotherapy? So when I went to the oncologist and he looked at the oncotype, diagnosis, you know, we determined that um, he didn't feel that my recurrence was that high, my risk factors were that high, and that I did not need to do chemo, which we both agreed on. But we did talk about genetic testing, and genetic testing was, the BRCA gene mutation was just coming around back then. It was about 2005, and it really, um, you know, we were just starting to hear more about, about the BRCA mutation. Mm-hmm. So I looked mm-hmm. into it and said, you know, yep, this is something that I want to do because I believe information is a good thing. It's important to have. And then what you choose to do with it is up to you. But knowledge exactly. is good. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I went ahead and had the testing and I shared that with, with my brothers and sons. And, you know, Harvey kind of said to me, okay, what does that mean to me? And I, I explained it the best I could, but said, you know, you, you should look into it more. And he kind of heard breast cancer and just kind of went in and went out, you know, um, mm-hmm. until a year and a half later when when he started to have his symptoms and, uh, you know, called me and said, yeah, I, uh, I need to get a mammogram, you know.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: But yeah. um, so if we fast forward another 10 years, um, I, I, you know, I, I was, Basically, going under surveillance, um, every six months, I was getting checked either with a mammogram or a, a breast MRI, uh, so mm-hmm. twice a year, I was being checked and followed, and uh, I... I felt pretty good about that. I, like I said, I live a, a healthier lifestyle, exercise, eat well, take supplements. So felt like I was doing a lot to, mm-hmm. you know, on the positive side to, for prevention. Um, and I still believe that everything I've done has helped me. Maybe it helped me get to the 10-year mark instead of a five-year yeah. mark. You know, that's right. the way I Through I look movement. at it. Yeah. But yeah. you know, but my body does have a hard time breaking down the genetic mutation. So you know, everybody's everybody's body makes. Cancer cells. In a healthier person with a good, strong immune system, their body will kill off those cancer cells. But in someone who carries the mutation, um, that's a lot more challenging. And so those cancer cells are just. uh, you know, have a higher percentage of of survival and mm-hmm. and affecting us. So yeah. uh, just this past November, I went for my annual breast MRI, and uh, unfortunately, um, there was uh, another finding, um, again, invasive, stage one also, but invasive, and uh, all estrogen. Positive again. So at that point, this was my fourth diagnosis and I knew what I had to do. So on January 30th, I completed a double mastectomy uh, using the latissimus muscles um, to help with reconstruction.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And okay. uh, in March, uh, we got the results of, again, my oncotype test, which now my score was much higher, much greater, again, in the in the high range. And so at this time, it was not really a decision that could be made. It was pretty much um, I knew what I had to do, and mm-hmm. chemotherapy was highly recommended, um, just, again, for the risk factor that it could occur somewhere else. In the body.
4: Wow. And, you know what? Um,
1: we we actually need to take a break. I am so sorry, but we we do need to go out to a break. We can pick this up on the other side. And Harvey, when we come back, I do want to talk to you a little bit more about male breast cancer and the the more of the myths. So we'll finish this conversation. But I do I don't want to let that go because I have a couple more questions for you on that. So so stay with us. We'll be back in a minute.
4: Your life. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today.
4: When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card. That opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio.
2: Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about male breast cancer and hereditary breast cancer with our guest Harvey Singer and his sister, Vicki Singer-Wolf. They're co-founders of HIS, Breast Cancer Awareness Foundation, Inc. So let's kind of pick up where we left off. Um, I just had a quick question for Vicki before we get back to Harvey um, and, and some of the myths around male breast cancer. So, were all of your particular diagnosis in one breast, or did you have it on both sides, may I ask?
5: Uh, sure. No, they, um, all, all four times it was in the same breast, uh, pretty much same in the breast. same area. However, mm-hmm. they okay. were all new, different cancers uh, when they right. were actually tested biologically. It was okay. a recurrence of something left over. They were new cancers that had begun. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, your body just tends to, to manufacture cancer, unfortunately. So, yeah. I, I, Such ugh, a lovely thought, it. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> darn it, yes, exactly. yeah. <laughs> exactly.
3: Well, you know, Vicky, well, I'm, I'm a, a three
1: time survivor myself, and my, I, I had him on different breasts, but my first time was, it was also 21 years ago, so we have that in common. My second battle was eight years later, and on, on the other side, and like you, mine were both um, not. They were not related. They were just, you know, my body's manufacturing too. But I did have the BRCA testing, and I tested negative for both. And right. it runs in my family, especially on my father's side. So, you know, even though, and since then, of course, they've discovered, what, 23 more gene mutations. So it still right. could be exactly. hereditary, yeah. but just not BRCA1 or 2 for me. But, yeah, that's correct. But there are some a lot of issues around that decision. You know, that and the reason I asked both of you if you had any genetic counseling, because you know, people kind of pushed me into getting tested, but I have I have five kids and I really didn't I knew I was already prone and I knew I wanted to know for them, but I didn't know if they wanted to know. And so I was kind of at that place where I didn't I I wasn't as solid on that decision as you were. I, I really kind of agonized it's like if I find out. What if they don't want to know? What do I do with the information? Yeah, so I waited sorry, until they fine. told me they wanted to know, and then I had the testing. So right. you it's, have to wait until really I mean, yeah, they a Really, Yeah, they ready
3: for it. Um, yeah, I, think, exactly. I think the misnomer with the BRCA gene, you know, obviously it was one of the first to discover the mutation. And uh, all of us have BRCA genes. Um, it's only when they mutate, when they go haywire. Actually, the BRCA gene mm-hmm. is in our bodies to protect us against cancer, which is a big oh, misnomer. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. we all have it. It's when it's mutated that it causes the reversed effect. And the new uh-huh. drugs that are out there called PARP inhibitors, which are strictly mm-hmm. uh, designated for late stage ovarian and breast and pancreatic cancers that are BRCA driven, actually repair the mutation. And it's, and what's happening is active tumors are dissipating upon this um, part inhibitor being issued, and it's it's really truly really amazing. I mean, we've watched Vicki and I have watched this come on board for the last seven years. Um, I had a close friend that was in a very early stage trial for it, who since passed away, unfortunately. Um, but they've made miraculous recovery just because these drugs actually repair the mutation, which Oh, that's the fabulous! Yeah, it's um, and this and what's on the verge in the next. We're hoping next 10 years is that, Vicki alluded to quickly, is a is a vaccine based on it that we'll repair it um, ahead of time. It's interesting you talked about your kids because we have, between us, we have five boys, which is one of the reasons we started this foundation because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, we have no girls, we have five boys. And um, we know each one of those boys are 50-50. And to this day, yeah. only two of the five have been tested, and they're all in their 30s, and they all understand it, and they live it with us. But it's a very personal mm-hmm. decision because... You have to be, and that's why the counseling aspect. I was never counseled because, well, I was by, I was counseled by my sister. She counseled. Yeah, I was going to say, you, right? had, you
1: had a born leader there. <laughs> but I had it,
3: I, you know, I had the testing after after I had the cancer, and it was pretty obvious mm-hmm. why, why I got it because um, the majority of male breast cancers are a little bit more towards genetically related. Uh, they don't, okay. like, like you alluded to they, they don't know all the genes that are causing all these mutations yet, but. Male breast cancer seems to run in, in genetic clusters, Ashkenazi Jews, um, a lot of South Africans, where there's uh, predominantly Ashkenazi Jewish faith, um, which means that you migrated from Eastern Europe. Um, mm-hmm. That's where a lot of it seems to be clustered. The environmental male breast cancer seems to be clustered around places where there's been toxic leaks and things like that um, that oh, have caused it. That's interesting. But there are the predominance i think it's like 57% are that's the latest statistic i heard they are caused by genetic reasons and okay. like, you know you don't know you don't know if, they, if it's a genetic reason that they just can't test for or they don't have or right. they haven't identified right they, ha-
2: they haven't uh, identified the, the particular piece that maybe they are you know, involved in so yeah, Correct. that makes sense. Yeah. So, what other what other myths would you say that are probably the the big ones that you try to dispel, um, especially with your organization or when you're talking to another man who who potentially has breast cancer or has this mutation? Um, I'd say
5: the first myth is that men don't have breasts because they think <laughs> they just have pecs. You know, they go to the gym, and, and it's all about yep. the pets. But every every male has breast tissue. They are born with breast tissue, and up until you know the point of puberty, where the hormones change and take over, where females will develop actual, you know, plumper breasts. Males stop developing uh, that that breast tissue, but everybody has breast tissue. Okay, that's yeah, a I big mean, one.
3: Th- the whole disease has been what we call pink washed. I mean, you know, the Susan G. Komen Foundation created the pink, which was actually only because Susan—that was her favorite color. It wasn't actually a female thing; it was just her favorite color until um, mm-hmm. that pink became. But the whole uh, world has been pink-washed about breast cancer, and it's such a non-masculine color that right. you know it starts there and it perpetuates out. Um, a lot of doctors, you know, we we tell the guys all the time: you go annually for your physical. When you get your physical, they always, you're anywhere, you know, above 30, they're going to usually do a prostate exam. Have your doctor and your physical do a breast exam on you. If you were a female and you went for a physical, you're going, to, they're going to check your breast, correct? It's
4: true. But if, exactly. if you're a
3: guy, they don't normally do that. So one of the things that we uh, talk about a lot is just ask your doctor, to, you know, tell them to just do a breast exam on you while you're in there for your physical. Let them feel around. Make sure there's no bumps, no bumps. Um, Mm -hmm. we talk about any change in the nipple area that seems to be with male breast cancer because there's less tissue, it seems to focus in the nipple area. Mine was just below my nipple. Um, that's one of the biggest indicator an indented nipple, any kind of, obviously any kind of secretion from there is not good, but, um... You know, those are things that guys just don't do. They think they have a little soreness there, and oh, I worked out too hard. I lifted too much in the gym. Oh, my golf swing is weird. You know, it's, mm-hmm. they try and blame it on everything but what it might be because it's, it is rare. You know, there's 2,600 mm-hmm. a year in the U.S. that are diagnosed yeah. with it. It's not, it's not that common, but it doesn't matter if it's not that common if it's you.
2: Exactly. No, it's 100% for you, it's right? It's 100%, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, unfortunately... Harvey, you know, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, it just is. if it happens to you, yeah, it's a big deal. And especially if you have pretty much dismissed it, you're going to be catching it at a much later stage, which then it can be much more treatment or potentially it could take your life. So these Correct. these aren't things you want to mess with. So...
3: No, so, Harvey, just
2: is, can I clarify something
1: with you real quick? because I, sure. I just want to make sure I, I want to make sure we're giving accurate information, and I and I'm about to say something that disagrees with what you just said. so and you're probably right, and I'm probably wrong. But for women, you know when we're checking breast tissue to check for for lumps and bumps and things, they always teach us to go clear under the arm, you know, and clear up into the like start at the sternum and work all the way back under the armpit. But mm-hmm. you're saying that most male breast cancer is limited to the nipple. Should they still do a breast check all the way under the armpit? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. If you went to okay. our, if you go to our foundation site, hisbreastcancer.org, we actually have a diagram of how to do a self breast exam. Okay. Um, Excellent. Yes, you can check the whole thing. But the statistics okay. are that it's usually, for some reason. Centered in that area, that seems to be okay. where it formulates first. But um, definitely I think worth because women have more breast tissue, they have a much wider area of getting it. Um, okay. there's, there's less yeah. breast tissue. And the other thing is that you can't do a lumpectomy most of the time, 95% of the time, they won't do a lumpectomy on a guy because there's just not enough breast tissue to ensure clean margins.
4: Sure. So clean margins. They, yeah, they that looked makes at sense. me and
3: they said, it's small. You know, it's a small tumor but we're taking your whole breast because that's the only way we can be sure that you'll be safe. So, yeah. yeah,
2: okay, uh, that makes okay. sense. Yeah, good. Yeah. That's okay. great. Okay. And so um, we've talked about, you know, passing down that gene and that's about a 50/50 chance, right, for your offspring Correct. when you when you have um, been diagnosed with that with that mutation. So uh, how I mean how did you talk to your boys about it? I mean, that's that would be a hard conversation.
3: It, it, it is a very hard conversation, um, but we're very. Our kids are very smart. We have very, unfortunately, we have very well educated boys, um, but they and they have to understand the the ramifications for this. I mean, to get tested, you know, we look at it. Nikki and I look at it, and Nikki, you can correct me if I if I go off course here, but. It's information that can save your life because it enables you to screen differently. If you know you're carrying this gene, you can go every year and have a mammogram. Uh, Vicky, go, Vicky and I both go twice a year for six month mammogram, alternating the six month breast MRI. I just had mine two weeks ago. I mean, you know, it's it's not a fun procedure because it's you know you got lay an MRI tube for forty minutes and get dye injected and whatever. But in Vicky's case, it just showed up ten years later. So you talk to your boys you know, to understand all the ramifications. And I have one son that immediately ran out and got tested, and he was negative, thank God. My older oh, son um, still is pushing back at me a little bit, and I told him that we're going to have this conversation again. You know, he's, not, he's 30, almost 34, but he's not married. He's involved, but he's not married. I said, before you have children, we need to have this conversation again because there are ways for us to not pass this gene along if you do have it. And to make sure you don't pass it to your kid, you can actually in vitro fertilize now and test the embryos so that you can ensure that... Yeah, you could do yeah. that. It's I mean, a great option,
5: popular. however. It, it is an expensive option, so you, know, yeah. you have yeah. to keep yeah. that in mind. Right. There is a great expense with doing that. Yeah. But I have to say, never once did my sons ever look at me and say, you know, why did you tell me about this? Or, you know, why did you share this with me? I, I, I don't want to know. Um, mm-hmm. My older son, who is 35 now, has one child right before, his, before they were going to conceive, did go and, and have his testing done because he did want to know before he was going to Start, you know, to to have a family. Um, he wanted to know if this was something he could be passing on, just like many other tests that are done, especially mm-hmm. within the, the Jewish religion. There's, you know, there's Tay-Sachs and other, you know, a whole realm of, of testing to be done. So this is yeah. just one more, and he was very willing to do that, and he wanted to know. Um, my other two sons are twins, and they are identical boys. So it is ninety nine point something, percentage, that if one has it, the other one is also a carrier. So at some point, they will actually go together to be tested because, and that's something that I've requested. You know, I don't want one of them to get the information without going through the counseling. I don't want them to get it just through the other his other brother. I want them to both understand all of what it means, you know, to Mm -hmm. each of them. And so that is something that, you know, will happen. Like I said, they're in their 30s and, you know
0: yeah they're they're getting
5: ready to the point. but they live every day knowing that this is a risk for them that they have a higher risk mm-hmm. of you know getting breast cancer or other cancers just because of our whole family dynamics anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. so they they make good healthy choices, they live, you know, they exercise, they eat a lot of organic foods, they take supplements, they watch their alcohol intake, and they do perform self-breast exams. They are checking themselves, and, good. you know, they are, so they're ahead of the curve already. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a lot that's going to change once they find out. Either way, yeah. other than some, maybe a mammogram or an
1: ultrasound, things right. of that nature mm-hmm. routinely. Okay.
3: Well, right. you know, we,
1: we, we have. To, oh, I'm sorry, Harvey,
3: go ahead. I was gonna, I was just going to clarify you had said the odds. Yeah, if one parent is BRCA positive, male or female, the odds are 50% that they'll pass it to a male or female offspring. If both mm-hmm. parents are positive, it's not a 100% chance, which some people believe, it's actually a 75% chance. Okay. Okay. Yeah, good to you. know. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm.
1: you. You know, we only have a couple minutes left till the next break, and I don't want to skip over this this part because I don't want to run out of time. But Harvey, just real quick, how does BRCA and hereditary cancers relate to prostate cancer? And and if we run over a minute, I, I know that a Rod, our engineer, will work with us. So, um,
4: well,
1: but can you answer that real quickly?
3: Yeah. Well, because BRCA was named after BRCA breast CA cancer. That's where the BRCA comes from. Um, okay. People never think about it in that realm, but it's, it's, it is highly indicative of it. I mean, my my urologist, I think I had prostate cancer before I had breast cancer. Actually, my urologist knew my history. He knew my sister was BRCA positive. Um, then he knew I was BRCA positive, um, and he still let me go a little too long on and I was foolish in those days. But the, a lot of it is still caused by the same gene, but they're finding a lot of other genes. Normally, if look guys, there's like a 90% chance guys are going to get prostate cancer somewhere in their life if they live until close to ninety, that just seems to be a statistic that keeps coming up. Yeah. But if you get well, you
1: hear a lot the of early, them, so sure
3: early onset, which means before you're sixty two or so, if that's when the prostate cancer shows up, there's a very good likelihood it was genetically induced. Now it could be BRCA. Um, if you're Ashkenazi Jewish, it more, more likely than not is. Um, it could be other genetic mutations which we haven't identified, but they're it's just so much more prevalent and that they don't test, and this is something we're fighting. I think guys should get tested. I think every prostate diagnosis should get a, a genetic test to find out what else is going on because there are other cancers they need to screen for. So yeah,
4: that
2: makes sense. Yeah, because isn't uh, I guess, is, is it um, uh, pancreatic? Is it the BRCA two or yeah. is that one?
3: Yep. Yeah. No, it's BRCA pancreatic and um, melanoma. Melanoma no, uh-huh. no, um, okay, okay. Bracket BRCA2 cancers tend to onset a little later than BRCA1 cancers, but oftentimes they're more aggressive than BRCA1 cancers. Okay, um,
2: okay. okay.
3: So they
1: start later and make up for lost time,
4: huh? Yeah, no unfortunately. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: All right. Well, listen, guys, we're going to go ahead and take another break, and then we'll come back on the other side. So please, everyone, stay tuned. This is This is such a great conversation. We'll be back in a minute.
4: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling. Again, with the compassion of a cross and shield. And the power of a card. That opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regents Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit BreastFriends.org and contribute today.
4: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio.
2: We've been talking about male breast cancer and hereditary breast cancer with our guests, Harvey Singer and his sister, Vicki Singer Wolf, co founders of his Breast Cancer Awareness Foundation, Inc. So before we take off and talk about your book and all these other wonderful things you guys are doing, I want to talk about scan. How do you say it? Scan Scanziety. anxiety. Scan <laughs> Yes. I, I only that. know. We yes.
5: asked him during yes. the break. <laughs> yeah. Right. so. So for us, it's every six months. Anxiety happens every six months, although I won't say we don't live it every day. Uh, with the worry, I think that's all cancer survivors still live with no, that absolutely. in their in, in their heads. Yes. And it's it's hard not to. But uh, every six months, Harvey and I both uh, were going for breast MRIs and or a mammogram. So on a rotation, so twice a year getting checked. And, and the weeks that always lead up to those tests, um, are just so stressful. I mean, you just, oh, you know, you want to go into a thinking. it thinking. Oh, yeah. yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. You very go into nerve-wracking. Thinking, right. Mm-hmm. Thinking positive thoughts, but, you know, you just not knowing that, not knowing the results and then waiting for mm-hmm. the results, it always brings such such a challenge to um, And, you know, people have asked me even with, you know, having breast cancer four times, you know, why do you still have your breasts? Why haven't you removed them? And, you know, I had the stress of, yes, knowing that every six months I had to be tested, but I also, because my body kept saying, for some reason, make breast cancer, make breast cancer, make breast cancer, that's part of the genetic mutation for me, um, I was almost afraid to remove my breast because then I felt like I, I don't know where to look for it. Right now, I know oh, where it, it's going to be made. And if I Remove the breath, Where's it going to go? You know, uh, my body's got just goosebumps. I that's that's it crazy. Creates, yeah, there's there's different sides and different mentalities. You know, and and for some people, it's just remove them and they feel good about that and you move on. Um, so I'm kind of now that I just had my my double mastectomy um, because of the fourth diagnosis. I'm at the point mm-hmm. where you know. I have a different anxiety, you know. It's just, yeah. um, I don't have that every six months, but I have to live with not knowing. You know, and trying to just keep a close watch and be very attuned mm-hmm. to my body, and not even sure what we're all what we're going to do, what how we're going to move forward, and just you know, and that's part of why I'm doing the chemotherapy. Part of it is is prophylactically, just to help sure, kill right. off yeah, any little sure. seedlings that may be around, you know, yeah. for the rest not, of my body.
3: It's not yeah. just breast. I mean, we I scan for pancreatic once a year. I scan. I get blood work done every three months for prostate PSA because that's what you do to follow up your prostate. So it's anything that you have. The test you go in for, you you know you have that anxiousness, that anxiety, but it's for a scan, so that's where that's where mm-hmm. I coined that scan anxiety. Thing. But it's, it's a great um, term. We can, we, can we and borrow my, my, my it? <laughs> yeah,
2: sure. I'm going to have to learn how to say it better, though.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> Replace the X Anxiety. with a Z. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I have a know, whole and chapter think,
3: in my book about it for you. If you want to yeah, read and,
1: read. yeah, speaking of your book, Harvey, you wrote a book, and it's called, Sir, You Have Breast Cancer. And I have to say, I love that title. So I want do to take a couple minutes and tell us about your book, why you wrote it, what's in it, why why would people want to read it. Give yourself uh, a Well, break.
3: when I was going through the lovely three and a half months of chemo, and I was dealing with all the anxiousness and trying to figure out a way to handle it all. Um, I actually have a journalism background. I never really used it for work purposes, but I, I read great sales letters. But, um, so I just started <laughs> to like writing every night when you can't sleep because you're going through chemo and you got all this other stuff going on. I just started writing stuff and, um, I got to the point where I just wanted to put it all together. And, and the, the title actually comes from the words that I heard when I answered my phone after my biopsy and. A woman on the other end, a nurse called me, or a doctor, actually a radiologist called me and she said, Mr. Singer, I said, yes, she said, sir, you have breast cancer. So oh those gosh. words never left my mind, so that's why I had that title. But it, it's, not a, it's not a depressing book, it's not a, um, just a just a clinical roadmap of breast cancer, it's actually about my life. I look back and reflected on my life and brought it full circle. Which some people didn't think, like my little sister didn't think it was a good idea, that I should have stayed more on course, but I wanted to make it engaging to the readers. Uh, but I do talk a lot about the breast cancer, being the guy with it, the scanxieties and the prostate cancer that followed. Um, it, for me, it was cathartic, therapeutic to write it. Um, you know, I, it just gave me something important that I felt like I could mm-hmm. share the, yeah. the journey with. So that's where it came from.
5: So how do you buy that book? By by creating the book, and and I found um, my outlet to do uh, by creating blogs and writing blogs and just mm -hmm. trying to help other men know, you know, learn that there's information out there, that this isn't just a woman's disease and something that they can relate mm -hmm. to in reading it as well, whether it's about prevention, whether it's about the disease itself. Um, We've shared other stories by guest uh, writers uh, of other men that have gone through this diagnosis, uh, breast cancer diagnosis, and we've shared their stories as well. So um, the blogs can be found also on the website on hisbreastcancer.org
3: as well. Or on our Twitter page, or you can follow us on Twitter and we link you to all those things. Right. We have Twitter, we're
5: on Facebook, okay. follow us on Facebook, we have all the social medias out there, so please, uh, yeah, it's great information, and we share a lot of information by other um, other authors as well that are out there, articles of great interest for men, so they're often right. uh, reposted on Facebook as well as on our website. So. Right.
3: That's we actually wonderful. work very closely with the bachelor Center, which was the first rocker, truly Brocket dedicated research center in the world at the University of oh. Pennsylvania. Really? They're our partners, and we, we share A lot of stuff with them. What's Uh, it called? Their sites. That's the Basser B A S S E R Center for the Bronco. It's the
5: University of Pennsylvania, founded by the Gray family, and uh, it's um, Dr. Susan Domchek, who is also my doctor, my oncologist, um, runs directs the Basser Center. Um, it's just a great place for information and uh, and care. I, nice, I, nice. I can't speak highly enough from them. So we've gotten, uh, we work with them. We work with an organization called Force, uh, facing our risk oh, yeah. of cancer empowered. Yeah, um yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we do a lot with them as well. And we, um, our pamphlet actually was written along with uh, the Basser Center. Um, so there are pamphlets that are available. You can either download them, reprint them, or you can order mm-hmm. them for your center or, or doctor's office or, you know, or gym mm-hmm. or anywhere, and, and sure. they're, uh, they're a nice pamphlet with great information and also includes on there information specific to the BRCA mutation, as well as that how to perform a male self-breast exam. So,
1: good, um, good. So all, all of that's really available... It's all available on your website. Harvey, is your book available on the website as well or yes. can they get it yes. a different way or okay?
3: Yes, it's available and, on the website. Um, or you um, can get it through Amazon. It's available okay. in an uh, e reader from Amazon as well in electronic format or a hard copy.
1: Good. Okay. Um, Excellent. Wonderful. And
3: then, um, so in a so let's ago, talk about your
1: movie. With, Can we talk about yep. your documentary?
5: Sure. Pink sure. and blue. Yeah. Of pink and blue
1: cancer. documentary. So why don't you talk about that? What it is, and I know you guys are featured in it. So why don't you take a few minutes and um, tell us about that? The director
3: is a guy named Alan Blasberg who lost his sister and another close relative to BRCA induced cancers, and uh, then got tested and found that he was a carrier. And he came to us about six years ago and said, I want to do a documentary. He has a good background in reality TV type things. Mm -hmm. Um, We thought it was a pipe dream at first, but we were able to help him get it going with some funding. And then um, a lot of people chipped in from other areas. Uh, we're featured in the documentary. Probably about a third of it's on male breast cancer. The other two thirds is more about hereditary cancers in general. Okay, um, wonderful. It follows a Force conference. Um, it's a it's a tremendous feature film, and it's it's now available for four ninety nine on iTunes. You can actually just right. download it for four dollars and ninety nine cents and rent it. And anybody that wants any information that wants any kind of um, guideline for Brock Cancers. I mean, it's an emotional film. It's a very touching film, but it's not that sad. It's, it's got some emotion you in it. Laugh, he you laugh, You laugh. There's some funny parts of some features There's a lot of information. Dr. Mm-hmm. Donchak from the Baxter Center is in the film very prominently along with uh, Angel Lee's breast surgeon, uh, Christy Funk. She's in the oh, film nice. as well as us. So mm-hmm. we have a very prominent role on it and I urge anybody that wants to get information for five bucks Download it. It's, it's uh, almost a full 90 minutes. It's a great film to just take on a plane with you on your, on your iPad or wherever mm-hmm. and um, okay. take a look at it. It's it's interesting. Okay.
2: Well, and when you're dealing with, with the BRCA gene, and especially if you know ahead of time before you're actually diagnosed with cancer, then you're faced with some decision making, um, you know, just like Angeli did. And so um, what's, what's fascinating about that, I know we've worked with lots of people at Breast Friends who have found out that they have the BRCA gene and, you know, some of them are making the decision to have prophylactic mastectomies or oophorectomies, you know, just, just to make sure that they are not diagnosed with breast or ovarian cancer. And so I know that's a huge topic in itself, you know, making those kinds of hard decisions because with that BRCA um, mutation, at least the last I remember, it was like, um, eighty-five percent. It's not like if you're going to have breast cancer right, or, or, and or you when. know, it's more like when. Right. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. Do you want to do you want to take a minute and talk about that? Those kind of decisions that people are making.
3: Sure.
2: Sure. I mean, I think that um, I think that obviously falls a little bit more into the
5: female risk factors than it does for men. Um, although a male can go and have prophylactic uh, mastectomies yeah. done, um, I don't think they're lining up quite as quick as 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 a female would <laughs> well, um, because of well because of the percentage
3: of their risk.
5: Right. Yeah, you know, and that's <laughs> Not what it comes down her. to, you know. Right. It comes down to the percentage. So, you know, um, and it and it definitely. Uh, Involves more of that female when we talk about the oophorectomies, hysterectomies, and how that's going to affect the female. Um,
2: sure.
5: Physically, with childbearing years, at what point in time should she? You know, does she? Does she wait? Uh, we, I know women that obviously have wait till you know after, they may have the mastectomy first, and then they wait till after they're done with uh, with rearing to um, have the oophorectomies. Um, some have put eggs. And frozen eggs, and have mm-hmm. that because they don't want to wait. So there's mm-hmm. um, definitely a lot more thought that has to go behind for a female than the right. male, and of course just the just that breast and personal um, self. Esteem, you know what's the female the female breast and what that means to a female. Exactly, um, your
2: self image is huge, and of course, it takes a, a real hit when you're when you're dealing with all of these things. And but there are you so know, many yeah. amazing new
5: reconstructive surgery options out these days, as unfortunately I've learned, and it's really incredible um, what they can do. Obviously, it's not the same as having the real the real breast, but you know, it. Uh, and of course, if you're still looking to have children and breastfeeding and all that comes into play as well so a lot to be considered whether you're
2: male or female
4: either
2: so if a a male has the has the BRCA gene and he knows ahead of time uh is is it kind of in that same percentage of that 85 percent chance of having it is is that true
3: too (laughs) It's for for a man, it's six and a half percent. I was only, I only had a six and a half percent chance I was going to be diagnosed with breast cancer. I had an over 80 percent chance I was going to be diagnosed with early onset prostate cancer, though.
4: Okay. So,
3: you know, the odds are different for guys. Now, we are hearing in the last couple of years there's been more guys doing prophylactic mastectomies. I'm a little bit taken back by it, but after after Vicki's gone through what she's gone through this year, you know, where she went 10 years without any issue. And all of a sudden it yeah. showed, I only had one of my breasts removed because I wasn't prepared at the time to, to right. make that decision to remove both of them. And mm-hmm. the doctor kind of said, well, we're going to screen you, you know, you know, the odds are you're not going to get it to come back in the other breast, but you will be screening you. But it's actually, when I have my follow-up my annual in July with my oncologist, it's actually going to be a topic of conversation, whether, okay. you know, what are my risk factors, but it's, I know that I've already gotten it, so I you yep. know, I'm in a different position. But guys aren't doing that. And the other thing, I mean, nobody's volunteering to remove their prostate um, no. <laughs> <photologically>, <laughs> Probably
1: or Probably not
3: for, the, yeah. Yeah, or their pancreas yeah. for that matter. So um, you can't you can barely live without it, you know, artificial sure. pancreases. But um, you know, it's just it's different for a woman and fortunately Angelina Jolie who, you know, came out and made it a little bit more Front page news and commonplace helped our cause, although a lot of people oh, said, sure. "Oh, women are running out, lopping off their breasts," which wasn't the case at all. But exactly. you know, it just makes people think, "Okay, it's okay if the most beautiful woman in the world can do it." Then I guess I can yeah, do it. Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, you know, you know, guys, we are we're out of time. So I do want to ask you one quick question. I'm going to give you the the 30 seconds to answer this question, and then we're going to say our, our goodbyes. But Ah, uh, your website, which is his Breast Cancer Awareness Foundation, sounds like a great website full of great information. Do you guys also do things like support groups, or do you speak somewhere? Or do you do any of that kind of thing as well, or is it pretty much all your resources going into your website?
3: Most of them go into our website, but I, okay. I do, especially in October. I seem to be on tour a lot. You know, whoever wants to tap me, if I'm if I'm able to do it, I'm happy okay. to speak. Um, yeah, we we do
5: we do a lot of speaking engagements, um, okay. or the printing of the pamphlets, getting that information out there. Mm-hmm. I have I have kids from high schools and colleges that will that are working on projects and will ask. Um, if we can send, you know, information. So we'll send 100 right. pamphlets out to them and Good. things of okay. that nature. So, yeah, we we do our best to get the information okay. out there. We're we're not about the research. We're not going to find the cure for mm-hmm. cancer. Sure. What we're here to do is we're not either. to help that. educate so that people know, men know, women can tell their the, the men in their life that they can be at a high risk for developing breast cancer that they should mm-hmm. know more about it, especially if it runs in their family, um, you know. We're out of time, no I'm so sorry. So we're I'm sorry. we are we are out of time. And so
1: yeah, we are out of time. We got, we actually have to go cuz they've got a hard close so they can get us off the air. So thank you so much for being on the show with us. Um we do encourage you to listen back again next week and until then remember there is always hope and we're here to help you find it.
0: Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio.